If you've been with us any length of time, you know that we're in the middle of a series called Kingdom Prep Academy. And uh, our tag is um, Prepare for Heaven, Flourish Now. And, uh, and, and we're going to do that, but not this week. <laughs> we're we're going to do that next week. Um, this, uh, I've been meeting with a lot of people and just hanging out with folks uh, in the church and outside of the church and uh, had a lot of conversations with people. And uh, over and over, there's been this, uh, this recurring theme that I keep hearing. And it's, uh, it's something like, um, I'm ashamed. Uh, I'm not enough. I don't have all the answers. And I feel like uh, everyone else does. I'm not, I'm not good enough. Uh, I, there's, there's this vision I have of who I want to be in life. And I'm not. I, I've heard, you know, lots of things. People having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. Uh, people who have been afflicted with an illness for a really long time. And, and man, it's just, it's just uh, taken a toll and I keep hearing over and over something like this. Why is this happening to me? And for any of us who have ever been in one of those situations, you know, where you're really pushed to the brink, you start asking this question, whether you believe in God or not, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, you're, you have to, as a, as a human being, you have to, you have to ask this question, why is this happening to me? People of faith are like, God, why are you letting this happen to me? People without faith are like, boy, I hope there's some reason for this, because man, I don't like it. And I just, uh, I was in the shower on Friday morning, and I just had this burden, this sense um, that we, we have to look um, at, the, at a text that uh, is probably, well, it is. It's, it's, it's my favorite text in, in all of the Bible. And the reason it's my favorite text is because it's, it's, it's personal to me. Um, and I'm going to share a little bit about that, uh, how it's personal to me as we journey through it. Uh, but I hope that what you end up hearing is that somehow, some way, that this text will be your story by the end of, of our time together. That you will be able to look at this text and say, yeah, that's me too. Um, for those of you who know, I spent a couple years in Japan. And uh, it was great. It was amazing. Highs and lows. Totally amazing experience. Uh, just teaching English. When I got back in 2005, I was slated to go to uh, grad school, but I had this, um, I just had this plan. You see, the thing is, I would found uh, very quickly upon returning to the States that I could become the center of any, any conversation or party just by talking about my experiences in Japan. That suddenly, I had gone from like total dork, uh, which is what I was in high school, and then through college and through my experience, I was now in my you know, early to mid-20s, and suddenly I felt like the world was my oyster. Um, I, I, could, I, I, I could be charismatic and charming and all the things that I'd always wanted in high school to be like, you know, the coolest guy and popular and all those things. It was now my opportunity and so I was going to come back to the States and take the States by storm and become the coolest human being that had ever lived. And uh, it was working great and then uh, one day a, a, a switch was flipped. I can't even describe it to you. It's even hard still to talk about it but it's true. It was uh, like one day Everything was awesome. And then uh, the next day, I was racked with incredible anxiety. Like, for no reason. 
my brain turned on me. I started having thoughts that I, I didn't understand or want. Um, and really the next uh, two years, and honestly, I mean, it's, I, still, I still deal uh, in, in ways with it now, today. But, uh, but for the next two years, um, my joy was stolen. And I had none. And I asked, why is this happening to me? This is uh, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, um, 7 to 10. This is the uh, today's New International Version. It's a, it's a solid translation. But this is what Paul says. He's talking to uh, the church in Corinth, and we'll discuss the background a little bit. But he says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Because that's how it works, right? When you're weak, you're strong. Well, yeah, sure, unless you want to be a success in life, uh, unless you want to, you know, accomplish things, uh, then uh, weakness is the opposite of, of what you need to be doing. If you want to, um, you know, get to the top of any corporate ladder or you want to be a respected man or you want to be a, a woman that is, you know, envied, if you want to be a winner, then you've got to win a lot. And in one way to win is to not be weak, to be strong. I want to give you a little background. So uh, let me just, the first couple lines of text. There, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul, uh, you know, he, honestly, Paul, a little bit like me, uh, actually. And this is one of the reasons I identify with this story. When Paul first becomes a Christian, we know him now as St. Paul. Uh, he was uh, the first major evangelist and church builder in, the, in Christian history. And, and yet, uh, before that happened, he was this, uh, this, this really passionate Jewish person who thought that Jesus was terrible. He actually participated in killing uh, Christians. He, uh, he harassed Christians. And then one day he has this tremendous experience where like this bright light uh, hits him on, on the road and, and, a, and a voice says, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you, why are you harassing me? And like, who are you? And it's like, me, Jesus. And this moment happens where Paul, all the passion, all the vigor with which he had gone after Jesus and his followers switches like overnight. And now he's going to send that passion to, to to bringing the good news of Christ, to, to making uh, Jesus known throughout the world. And what that means is he starts going from place to place to place. He goes all the way around the Roman Empire, and, and everywhere he goes, he shouts to the, the rooftops about his experiences. Uh, and some of those experiences are ecstatic experiences where he's in deep, wonderful prayer, and revelations and visions are given to him. And he tells people about this, and he says, Jesus is the way. Jesus is, is hope. Jesus is life. And people start to believe him. And then he starts these churches, and, and suddenly Paul is basically the coolest Christian out there. Now, I know in, in today's you know, society, it's impossible to be both cool and a Christian. Uh, Christians are, are you know, intolerant bigots, I get that. Um, but in Paul's day, in Paul's day, it was possible. And, uh, and he was on the vanguard, on the cutting edge of this new movement. And wherever he went, people believed him and trusted him. They were like, you're the best, you're amazing. And, and Paul, 
maybe started to think, wow, I'm pretty awesome. I'm pretty great that I'm the one who was selected to do this and be a part of this. And then, we don't know how it happened, we don't know what it is, but somehow, overnight, something happens. And, and suddenly, he's, he's given a thorn in his flesh, he says. A messenger of Satan to torment me. That word messenger, it's the same word as, as angel um, in, in, in Greek, angelos. It's, uh, we're not sure exactly what Paul means. Does he mean that the devil himself sent one of the devil's minions to hurt him somehow? Maybe it's the case that, um, that the, the world is a fallen, broken place, and, 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 and the enemy uses that or, or, or marshals that to, 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 to take him back a step. But whatever the case, uh, something happened in his life where suddenly he went from being an all-star, a rock star, to being just a normal guy. And he wasn't able to be a rock star anymore. In fact, uh, if you look at the context here, what, what's happened is that Paul used to be like the best. He was the cool guy. But then something happened to him, and, and he has this thorn in the flesh, and he can't be a cool guy anymore. And other people come, and he calls them super apostles, these, these other people who have visions and revelations from God. And they're, they're, they're actually taking the churches that Paul started and turning those churches either against him or, or saying that, well, I'm the one who's got the best uh, truth, and I'm the one who knows what's going on. And Paul starts to become like a second-class citizen. Whereas Paul used to be... Uh, you know, one of the cool kids. He starts getting tormented. And things are taken away from him. And it turns out that the people around him are the perfect people. They're the ones who have it all together. Do I have the, the most perfect American? Yeah. Do you guys know Tony Robbins? What's that? Oh, Scott. Yeah, Scott's in the barn. He, he is pretty perfect. Seriously, he's our, he was playing bass. If he comes back at the end, don't think about the music, the song, worshiping. Just look at his shoes. They, like, the guy ha- literally has rainbow sparkles on his feet today. And, I mean, how do you pull that off? I don't know. But he's doing it. No, Tony Robbins, I've never heard the man speak, but he's one of the, uh, the most sought-after public speakers. And look at that smile. You can trust this guy. He knows what he's talking about. It's pearly whites. I mean, this guy is solid. He's probably in his 50s or 60s, but he, he could pass for 35, kind of like Tom Cruise. Uh, and and, and he, he, he has it all together. That's his whole shtick is I've got it together. And you know what? If you do the things that I say, you can have it together too. And that's exactly what was happening in Paul's world, where Paul was, was hobbling around with whatever his, his thorn in the flesh is, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but whatever is, is causing him to, like, to pull back and to not be everything he wants to be, there's these other guys, these Tony Robbins guys who are coming into his churches and being like, hey, it's me, you know, the Fonz, I got this, don't follow me, don't worry about him. I think um, we, we have uh, some, some ideas here about what a thorn in the flesh might be. Um, if you think about that, that text um, where, you know, a messenger from Satan, something in him that uh, came from either, either the devil did it and attacked him or, uh, you know, the, the world is a broken, messed up place. And as a result, stuff um, happens that is, is no good and the enemy uses that to, to hobble us, to break us down. And that's the first thing is any th- thorn in the flesh, if you've got one, it's something that's caused by a broken, fallen world, Okay. This is really important because um, we, we tend to want to assign blame and, and have an excuse or an understanding of why the crappy stuff happens. I mean, 
you know, we just heard that uh, one of our elders, Dave Bacon, just in the, in, you know, the course of a month, lost two brothers, one a twin. And his parents are still alive. They just lost two sons. And, and, and we want to have an answer to that question, right? Like, why? Well, unfortunately, we live in a really wrecked, broken place. Um, it's really messy here. It's, uh, we, you know, part of it is that human beings uh, do wrong things. We sin. And as a result, we live in a fallen, broken world where our sin it wrecks things and destroys things. Also, we live in a world where there's an enemy out there, Satan, who's, who's seeking to, to, to have things happen to us, to, to derail us and to mess us up. And so these natural processes, you know, cancer or whatever it is that, that comes into your life, these are natural things that are, that are used by the enemy to, to hurt you and to take you down. It's interesting, we actually agree with uh, the atheists. So if you don't believe in God, we can agree on this, that we live, we live in a messed up, broken world. The difference is, is that Christians believe that there is actually a, a goal. There is, that this, this world is headed in a direction, and, and while it's broken right now, it's not going to be broken forever. Um, there, it, there is a way that, 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 that's going to get fixed, but we're not there yet. Uh, thorn in the flesh, number two, it hinders us from being who we want to be. This is, uh, this is tough um, because, you know, we have dreams. Everyone's got a dream. And according to America and according to Disney, if you just follow your dreams, you can't achieve your goals. And uh, Princess so-and-so is living proof. But what we actually find in the real world is that we have a desire to be this kind of man or this kind of woman. We have this desire to achieve these things, to accomplish this or that. And then something comes along and cuts us off at the kneecaps. And it stops us. We have a vision of who we have been called to be, the things that we think God wants us to be a part of, and yet we're not able to do them. The good news is, is that um, in heaven, all these things will be repaired. There will be no more thorns in the flesh in heaven. So even if it seems like this is forever, even if it seems like you can't get away from this, it will end. And there will be uh, Relief in heaven. The last thing uh, is that thorns in the flesh are not all created equal. Um, this is uh, this is very personal to me because um, we uh, we tend to think that uh, you know everyone's suffering. True fact: some people are suffering more than others. Uh, yeah. Um, and what's really crazy is that as human beings, because we're social animals, we hide those things from each other if we can, right? Uh, so a lot of people, for example, might be, um, you know, there might be a, a something, a, a thorn in your flesh that you can't hide. You know, but like a physical ailment or disability that you can't hide. Well, okay, we can see that. But there's something that everybody's got, probably, that's inside that you do hide because you don't want people to think that you are not what you want to be. As a result, you are constantly interacting with people who on the outside are like, hey, everything's awesome because we're at church. And actually, they are in the middle of a living hell. When I was, um, you know, 2005, 6, 7, uh, I would be here on Sundays. And uh, 
And man, I hated all the smiles I saw. I hated them. Because I was jealous. Because nobody knew what was really going on inside. And I was afraid to tell anyone. And so I, I, I you know, I, I, I closed myself off and I, and I hunkered down and I, I withdrew from connecting to people because I was under the impression that everybody was awesome except for me. And what's so funny is now in my, in my role as a pastor, what I've realized is that um, everybody's a disaster. Like, you're all terrible. <laughs> I, I can't get through a conversation. I'm like, are you serious? I thought you were one of the good ones. <laughs> huh? It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but not really. <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's crazy. We, um, we, we're social people, and so we put on these masks, and yet there are those of us who are absolutely re- going through hell, and then there are those of us who things are, you know, not great, and then there's some people who things are great, but nobody knows. Nobody has any idea. Let's, uh, let's go back to that text there, thorn in the flesh. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I told you, Paul, um, Paul had this really powerful spirituality, and he, he can, uh, testifies that he received visions and, and revelations from God. So he had this very special, powerful prayer life. And I think that what he's saying here is that three different times, he's like on his knees in one of those, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like an all-night prayer session where you're really close to the Lord, and you, you just experience him, and you're almost seeing him face-to-face almost. It's this really powerful experience. And Paul gets right, right there face-to-face with God and says, this this is ruining my life. Please take it from me. Three times he does this. And God says no. You know, we, Heaven Prep Academy, get ready for heaven. Flourish now. Life's going to be awesome. Yeah. Maybe. But what's really crazy is what our regular series is about is how do you get transformed by Jesus so that even when God says no and there's a thorn in your flesh that you can't get out, even then you can still have joy. Even then you can still have some kind of peace. Even then meaning purpose. Even when things are bad and they don't feel like they're ever going to get better, can there still be some life that matters for us? And Paul is sitting there being like, I can't do it anymore, God. I can't have a life that's, ma- that's meaningful, that's good anymore, because you won't take this from me. That's the next thing in your note sheets. Is, um, or the first thing in your note sheets. Sometimes God takes your thorn away, or he gives release, but sometimes he doesn't. A dear friend of, of mine, and a mentor growing up, her name was Marianne Fisher. Some of you have known her. I remember near the end of her life where she'd been battling cancer for, I don't know, a couple years. And, uh, and I was sitting in her living room, and she looked at me and she said, Tom, sometimes it's really hard. You know, we'd prayed for healing, we'd prayed for, for vindication, for victory. And she was like, you know what? When it's God says no, it's just really hard and you're not happy all the time. And that's Okay. What she didn't know was that that struck a chord with me because of my past and my experience um, with mental illness and anxiety. Sometimes he says no. In 2006, I was, uh, it's 2.45 a.m. on a Friday night. 
I'm at my parents' house, and I go downstairs. I can't sleep because I can't control my mind, and my heart is pounding. And, uh, and, and I walk downstairs, and I'm crying out to God, like, God, you got to do something for me here. Because right now, uh, all these other people are um, flourishing in their lives, and they're moving on. They're moving into careers. Well, I feel like I'm stuck in neutral and maybe in reverse. I feel like I'm actually, for the very first time in my life, considering whether or not I can keep going. Because this sucks. And what does God say? To Paul. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> That's not the answer I wanted. I wanted to be strong. It's interesting, though, uh, my power is made perfect in weakness. That word, uh, the, the Greek, that verb there is tolao, it's. Um, it's a, uh, it, it really doesn't mean made perfect in the way that we would think of it. It means sort of like reaches its goal, right? It's matured. It's come to the place where, it, where it's supposed to be, right? It's like, and, and what, a, what a strange thing. Notice it doesn't say my power is made perfect in your weakness. Not my power reaches its goal in your weakness, although that might be part of it, but just in weakness in general. How can that possibly be? We know that God has traditional power. Like God, if he wants to smash things, God can do that. He can blow stuff up. God can send rain or withhold it. God has traditional power. and God can do that. And yet, what he says, what he tells Paul in the midst of Paul's suffering is he says, but guess what? When my power reaches its greatest, when it's actually gotten to the, the point where it, it's reached its fulfillment, when it is perfect, you know where that happens? In weakness. This, um, there's a, do I have the picture here? Yeah. This is from The Passion of the Christ, that Mel Gibson movie. Super rough film. Don't want to watch it again. But, uh, but I saw it once. And I, I love this, uh, this picture because one of the things that you'll notice, if you look at art based on the crucifixion of Christ, very often the crucifixion of Christ, Jesus is like, ah! He's like fighting back. He's struggling. And the Romans are holding him down. And yet, you look at this still image. What is so crazy about that is that he's just accepting it. His veins aren't popping out. He's not, he's not fighting back. He's, he's literally embodying ultimate weakness. He's saying, I am going to let you torture me to death. And as Christians, we confess that that moment... That moment right there is when God heals the world, when he does something that nobody could possibly imagine. He forgives all sin. He makes us all right. He does what nobody could have done. He wipes the slate clean. He gives new life and new power. His spirit becomes active in the world. Everything that is going to make the world right happens. And how does it happen? Through this weakness. Paul is so sensitive to this reality that it's cruciformity, it is being weak, in that God demonstrates a kind of power human beings cannot understand. Um, we could just get back to the... Christ died in weakness, but God uses it to heal the world. 
Uh, eventually I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, which is really funny when you see it on TV. It's really horrible when you live with it. Um, and it's, my mental illness has you know, changed and gone in different ways over the years, but it's something that I do live with. Um, and so I'm sitting there, it's 2.45 in the morning, I'm like, God, I don't know if I can do this. And, uh, and, and, and there was this sense that settled over me that was like, I'm not asking you to be whatever you think you're supposed to be. I'm just asking you to fight. And everything else, we can worry about that. And I wouldn't say that God spoke to me audibly, but that was the sense that I had that settled. I did get to sleep that night, uh, which was great. Love sleeping. Um, if you can't do it, you really need to get that looked at because uh, it's awful. I woke up the next day and the, the anxiety was back. Um, and it was like the cycle had, had, um, had gone through, whatever. But I, 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 I understood at that moment that, you know, what I thought my life was supposed to look like and the idea of Tom coming back and being the coolest human being who ever lived and really enjoying being awesome, that maybe that wasn't what God had for me. Maybe God was taking this thing that had stolen my joy and he was using it to humble me. Because I'll tell you right now, at that moment, I was certain absolutely certain that nothing good was going to come of my life. And so if anything did, it couldn't come from me. If we um, move forward in the text, when I am weak, then I am strong. What does Paul mean by that? When I am weak, then I am strong. Is it, it's an excuse to just uh, give up and, 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 and not worry about stuff anymore. I can't handle it. I've, I've, I've got this thing and it's broken me and I can't. No, no, that's not it at all. That's not it at all. Uh, Paul actually talks about this earlier in uh, 2 Corinthians. Do you have that text here? The, is it coming up? The text. Did I, did I delete it? That's on the note sheets. The uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. There it is. For it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow! The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This has been given. But guess what? Bad news. We have this treasure in clay pots. In these little, dumpy little pots that can be broken. They're fragile. That Paul's talking about our bodies. This, this wonderful, glorious truth about God and the universe and his glory, it's stuffed into these little, weak, fragile things that can be broken with, with one slight tap of the hammer. That's, that's why it's, it's in there, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Man, I am so pumped about what's happening in our church. I am. And it's not just because we can hear, now we've got speakers. Oh, that's cool. I think that's neat. No, what I'm excited about is I really sense that we've got a a, a group of people here, a core that's now really just excited about sharing the gospel, about, about new life being developed in our midst, about us being transformed to be more like God. I mean, it's this, it's this awesome moment. But here's what's really cool. Here's the coolest part. Because we are broken 
jars because I'm afflicted in these ways and because you have your own thorns in the flesh. When these things happen, when this, this, this place blows up and people are coming to the Lord and, and being baptized and disciple, guess what? It will not be because we're so great. It's going to be because we have learned to walk in weakness and let God be our strength. So, what's your thorn? I think everyone's got one. Um, And I, yeah, so where I'm at in my life now, so just what? 13, 14 months ago, I was in the, the ER because I was having a panic attack. Awesome. That's fun. Uh, and I was super ashamed of it, too. I was like, oh, we don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with my heart. No, there's nothing wrong with my heart. Um, I just have a broken brain, and it's awful. Um, and what's so interesting about it, there's some, there's some people who came after that little episode and been like, hey, Tom, yeah, it might be that you're, um, that you're <laughs> under a lot of stress. <laughs> And, uh, and I was working through that. Here's the truth. Here's the absolute truth. And I, I'm, I'm only sharing this because I, if there's any of you who, are, um, who have a thorn too, uh, you know what? Sundays are tough for me. This place is a trigger for me. Every Sunday I wake up and the first thing I experience is anxiety. And it does not quit until approximately 1130 11.30 is the best minute of my week. It's funny, too, because y'all are talking to me. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Totally. Oh, let me pray for you. Like, what just happened? <laughs> it, that's my cross. And everyone here has one. Uh, the first thing, that the thorn in the flesh, uh, they, they think that Paul actually, the, the best guess is that he was blind or going blind. Um, and we don't know this for sure, but we do know that sometimes when he writes, he'll, he'll say things like, now I'm writing in my own hand, see what big letters I have. And the idea being that he was actually dictating his letters because he was unable to see. And that's a possibility. No one really knows. I praise God every day that, that Paul wasn't specific, that he leaves it vague and open, ambiguous, so that we can step into that story, so we can, we can experience it as our own thorns in the flesh. We don't have to know, oh, it's just blindness or whatever. But what we can say is we can't say that the thorns probably a lot of times has to do with health. Gosh, we've had people in this congregation who had lupus. Oh. I mean, that sounds, it's a chronic disease. Flannery O'Connor, amazing author, she, she died from it when she was 41. Um, and and her, her, the spirituality of her writing is just, it's, it's replete with uh, reflections on what it's like to not fit in and to not have strength and to, and to wish that you did. So it could be health, mental health. Um, that's, you know, my thing. But, but lots of different ways where, where you, you, you put on the face and, and you look great, but actually deep down there's something rotting and, and you can't stop it. And it sticks with you. Um, possibly temptations. Uh, this is very common where uh, there's this one thing that you're tempted to do and that, and that temptation never quits. And you wish that it did. You wish that you could get free of having this desire uh, for a lot of men, you know, it's, it's uh, sex and, and, and pornography, stuff like that. Uh, for a lot of, and women now too, it's a big deal. Um, but it could be uh, money or power, uh, you know, materialism, wanting to have things. And, and you know it's wrong and you fight against it, but it just creeps back in. And, and you're like, God, I could really be doing things for you really well if you would just take this away from me. 
And God might say yes. He might say wait. He might say no. Circumstances. I know a little, some of you get a little uncomfortable when I talk about um, gay, lesbian, bisexual issues, um, transgender. Uh, but it's so important that we talk about it because it's not going away. Um, it's, you can't hide from it. It's, it's, it's going to be a part of our culture. And we have to be able to address it straight on. Um, I, in my other life, when I'm teaching classes, I have a lot of students. Uh, over the years, I've had a lot of students who, um, they can't explain it, but they're just attracted to the same sex. Um, they, they just say, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, uh, sometimes bisexual. That's just my experience. When I was 13 and I first, you know, experienced attraction and stuff, that's what it was. And they're trying to live faithfully in that. But, but man, it's like they, a lot of them <laughs> love this text because they're sitting there saying there's this thing that's keeping me from being the person that I want. I desperately, desperately want something different. But it, it's, it's there, and they're having to live with it, and they're having to really trust that God's grace really is sufficient for them. If you have a circumstance in your life, sometimes, uh, you know, joblessness that just doesn't quit, um, a, a loss of, of love and affection and a marriage, things, things, circumstances where you don't feel like you have control over it, something that's happening to you, and it just doesn't quit. And then the last, perhaps most important, are those of you who are thornless. There's at least one person here who's like, boo-hoo, suck it up. <laughs> at least. Probably more than one. Like, oh, poo-poo-poo-poo-poo. Like, come on. Get over yourself. Uh, totally. You're right. Um, and, I, and, and, I, and I don't want to say that, uh, that, you know, your thorn is an excuse for you to fail. It's not an excuse for you to give up. It's not an excuse for you to just not battle in your life and, and, and strive to seek God. That, that's not it. But it is real. And for, so for those of you who, um, I hate you, you perfect people, you. I'm jealous. Uh, but for those of you who, who, uh, who you look at it and you're like, ah, I've got a few things, but really not that thorny. I beg you, have empathy, have patience, and have compassion. Because you have no idea who you're sitting next to. And one of the best things that the thornless can do is be strong um, and be kind and, uh, and, and bear with uh, those whose thorns sometimes feel like they're too much uh, to bear. And in all of it, what would it take to make your weakness strength? What would it take uh, for you to take this thorn in your flesh, your weakness, this thing that makes you feel inadequate, that's, that is the cause of your shame, the thing uh, that... that it ruins your life. It's preventing you from being the person you want to be. What would it take for that thing to become strength to you? I can only uh, speak a little bit from experience, but I think one thing is, is, uh, is let people know, especially if, if you can hide. If you can hide your, uh, your thorn, find some people that you can trust and let them know about it. Uh, Paul, he says, I boast in my weaknesses. 
he's like running around being like, hey, I, I admit it. I'm not up to snuff. I can't do the things that those perfect people can do. And guess what? That's good news. Because when something good happens, it's God and not me. If you can open up and find someplace safe to share, you're going to be one step closer to having your weakness become strength. Once people know about it, uh, lean on them as you're trying to walk through. Just because you're, um, you've got a thorn doesn't mean that you're, you have to fight it by yourself. That's why God made a church. You know, we want people to come here. I don't want perfect people to come here. Guess what? If you're perfect, you're no longer welcome. <laughs> I promised Colleen I wouldn't say that. I take it back. But you get my point, right? Like, the, 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 we're here not because we're awesome. <laughs> we're here because we're a mess. Like, no one comes to church. I mean, if you're coming to church and you're like, ah, finally, all the excellent people that I deserve to be around. You're in the wrong place. They've got churches for that. You can find them. They're awesome. Everyone there is perfect. You can go to those. This is not a perfect church. This is a church with a whole lot of people with a whole lot of thorns. So yeah, let's bear up with one another. Let's be uh, safe and, and able, able to share uh, what, what is damaging about us. And then let's, let's encourage each other and walk together as we seek uh, to maintain discipleship and to, and to pursue holiness, even in the midst of being really wrecked people. If you're uh, here and you've been thinking that you're not enough, you're right. You're not. If in the past couple weeks you've been thinking um, that you are a shameful, um, humiliated person, you're right. In the ancient world, there was nothing more shameful and humiliating than being crucified. So you're in good company. Wherever you're at, this is God's final word. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Let's pray. Gracious God, um, It doesn't make sense uh, to a lot of us why uh, things happen. It doesn't make sense why we carry um, thorns and wounds. It doesn't uh, make sense, and, it, and it's hard. Father, I pray uh, for those who are walking wounded, those who are li- living with a limp uh, today, that they um, will know that you were humiliated, you were weak first, and in that, your power to save came. I pray for those who are weak here that their weakness will be an opportunity for your power to come and save and reconcile and change and heal. I pray that we'll be a community that's not perfect, but a community that walks together in imperfection. You are good, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.